0: Good morning and uh, welcome to River Glen, everybody. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us here in Waukesha and over in Pewaukee. Hello and online, wherever you're located. Great to have you uh, join us this weekend uh, for, for church. Today, we're finishing up the series called For Everyone because Jesus didn't just come for a few, He didn't just come for some, He came for um, everybody. And so, we built these light walls in the lobby and we invited you to take a bulb and write down the names of some people God has put in your life who need Jesus and start praying for them. And if you haven't done that, it's not too late. We'd love for you to do that immediately after the service. We've got pens and, and bulbs um, out there. We've used our hand. If you've been around, we've been using our hand as a guide to help us think of names. Thumb is you. Uh, finger, index finger is somebody close to you. Middle finger is uh, somebody that's uh, difficult in your life. Ring finger is somebody who's maybe weak from suffering. And then the uh, picky is somebody falling short, somebody in a bad place. We uh, uh, write down those names on the, the bulb screw the ball in the wall, pray for them, love them, be a light uh, to them, and look for an opportunity to in- invite them. Next weekend will be a great weekend to invite them to Easter. Uh, we're going to be sharing the good news message about Jesus. We're going to be doing baptisms in this service for people that are going to be taking that step. Don't miss it. Next weekend is a great weekend to in, invite somebody, and I brought along a bungee cord to in, encourage us. you know these things are pretty handy and uh, pretty uh, useful, but uh, they 're only useful if you stretch them they're, they're handy, but they 're only useful if you if you stretch it yeah. and if we want to be a light in the darkness for Jesus, you and I are going to have to stretch now n- normally a bungee cord doesn't uh, stretch if you Uh, don't stretch it. It shrinks back to uh, normal. But to reach its full potential, to be useful, you've got to stretch it. And in the same way for us to, to reach our full potential and be a light for Jesus, I need to stretch. We need to stretch. And that's what this series is about. So today we're going to look at a story in the New Testament where a group of men stretched in faith, in a big way. They took a faith step that just seems crazy to me. As I studied this story, it reminded me of a friend of mine. He's actually one of the names that I wrote down on my bulb. We grew up together. We became friends in fourth grade. We've been lifelong friends. Growing up, we spent a lot, a lot of time at each other's houses. We got to know each other's uh, families. Uh, we stay in touch. He moved to another part of Wisconsin, but we still get together periodically. But growing up together, we came up with some of the dumbest ideas. Have you ever noticed how sometimes groups of men can come up with ideas and they take unreasonable risk? You know, somebody in the groups comes up with a a bad idea, a dangerous idea, but the group thinks about it, and after a while they're like, yeah, you know, that might uh, work. There's actually a name for this tendency, it's been referred to as GMSS, which stands for Group Male Stupidity Syndrome. Yeah, and so I'm I'm about 15 years old. My friend and I are about 15 years old. It's before we had our uh, driver's license. There's no internet, no cell phones. We just loved riding our bikes, and we were really bored in the summertime. We grew up in West Dallas, and we came up with this idea. You know, What if we rode our bikes to Great America? Uh, That's what Six Flags used to be called. When it first opened up, it was called uh, Great America. It's about 50 miles away in Gurney. Um, Illinois. Um, we'd never ridden our bikes that far before, and there's no way our parents would ever approve. Uh, but we looked at maps and we figured out a back roads way uh, to get to Great America, which is really a dumb idea. It's a bad idea. I don't recommend it. But the more we thought about it, the more we thought maybe this could work. And so we told our parents we're just going to be riding around locally on our bicycles on local trails, which was not true. And we met early in the morning on 76th Street and i mean we just rode as fast as we could and we followed that backwoods route and we got to great america right before it opened and we rode rides for several hours until mid-afternoon we got on our bikes this is the hard part because we were really tired and we rode home and we got home for supper and nobody ever knew we never we never got caught (laughs) until 25 years later I'm at a wedding reception sitting at dinner next to my wife. My mom is at the table, and my friend and his wife and my friend uh, starts telling stories about things we did when we grew up, and right in front of my mom, he tells the whole story about how we rode our bikes to great America, and I felt so embarrassed. I mean, it's like that scripture, your sins will find you out, and... My mom was shocked. Fortunately, she got over that and and forgave and and even laughed about it. But uh, my friend and I did some dumb stuff uh, together. Now, I share that story because it reminds me of a group of men in this Bible story who maybe had a slight case of GMSS, group male stupidity syndrome, and they put together a plan. I just can't believe uh, that they actually uh, did this. We'll pick things up in Mark chapter two. It says several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. Capernaum's a little fishing village around the Sea of Galilee. Jesus spent a lot of time there teaching and ministering to people. He went away and then Jesus came back and news of his arrival spread quickly through the town soon the house where Jesus was staying, some scholars think Jesus was staying, this was Peter's house, Peter's from uh, Capernaum, and Jesus was staying in this house, and it was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door. So picture this jam-packed house, standing room only you can't get anybody else in there and not only that it's so packed you can't even get around the house people have packed around it trying to get a glimpse of jesus next verse says while he was preaching god's word to them four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat they couldn't get to jesus through the crowd so they dug through the clay roof above his head then they lowered the sick man on the mat right down in front of jesus Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my sin, your sins are forgiven. A little bit of background here. If you were paralyzed in that ancient culture, uh, you know, there was no wheelchairs, there was no government assistance, there was no disability programs. If you wanted to go somewhere, the only way that you could get there would be to have your friends carry you on a mat to get you from point A to point B and wherever you wanted to go. And so this large crowd uh, that is gathered at at, at Peter's house that day poses a big problem to these four friends because there's no way uh, that they're gonna be able to carry their paralyzed friend on a mat and say, you know, excuse me, uh, watch out, pardon me, coming through. No, there's no way they will be able to get him to Jesus. And this part isn't in the Bible. But in my mind, I picture them walking off to the side and setting their friend down, and they have a conversation, what are we gonna do? I mean, we can't get through the door, we can't get through the crowd, we believe Jesus would heal our friend, but we we, we don't see a way, there there doesn't seem to be a way to get to him, and maybe one of them said, hey guys, I got an idea. Let's get a ladder, let's go on the roof of, of, of Peter's house, Let's dig a hole in the roof, because it's not made out of concrete or wood, it's, it's, it's clay. And we could just dig a hole uh, through the roof, and we could lower our friend down inside in front of Jesus. And I wonder if the three other friends looked at him and said, that is the dumbest idea I have ever heard in my life. I mean, we're going to go get a ladder, we're going to get on the roof, and we're going we're to dig a, a, a hole through the uh, roof. And, you know, and then we're going to look through the roof, and we're going to say, hi, Jesus. And we're going to lower our friend uh, through the roof. Jesus is going to have mud and dirt in his hair. Everybody's going to be wondering what's wrong with uh, Peter's uh, roof. That is a dumb idea. But I believe they kept thinking about it and talking about it. Maybe a little bit of GMSS set in. And pretty soon they're running for ladders because this is going to be awesome. And here's what I love about these four friends. They would do anything to get their friend to Jesus. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a friend who loves you so much that they would do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus? Maybe you resonate more with the guy on the mat. Maybe you resonate more with the paralyzed man and you say, you know what, I feel like I'm on the mat right now. I mean, I feel like I hardly have the strength to get up in the morning. I feel paralyzed by anxiety, fear. I need healing in my heart and mind. I've got some sins from things that I did in the past that I need healing for. And I want to get to Jesus. I want to get to the feet of of, of Jesus, but it doesn't seem like there's any way that I can get there. There's too many obstacles in the way. What do you do when you or somebody you love needs healing, needs forgiveness, and wants to get to Jesus? But there seems to be too many obstacles in the way. Well, today I want to share with you three insights from this story, Uh, and, and these will stretch us, but they lead to healing and forgiveness. The first one is this, try a different door. There's only one door to Peter's house and it was blocked by the crowd. And sometimes we have doors in our life that appear closed as, as well. Maybe you wanna get into a certain college and you get a rejection letter. Maybe you launch a new business and you got some really high hopes of how that business will do and the income you're gonna earn, but now you're not even sure if it will make it. Maybe you want to get pregnant, you want to have children, but every time you take a pregnancy test, it turns out uh, negative. Let me ask you, what are the doors of disappointment that exist in your life? You want to walk through those doors, but they seem to be closed. Well, those friends could have said, well, door closed. I guess our friend's not going to get healed today. Let's go home. But instead they said, if we can't go in, let's go up. Sometimes you gotta, go, you gotta go up. Sometimes you gotta get off the human level and you gotta get up to the Holy Spirit level. On the human level, I mean there's lots of things that are impossible for us to do. On the Holy Spirit level, there's nothing that is impossible for those who believe. In fact, maybe the reason the door is closing in your life right now is, is because that's not your door. That's not the door that God has for you. God's got a different door God's got a higher door. God wants to increase your faith. These, these four friends said, if we can't go in, then we're, we're going to go up. And so they get on the roof and they start digging, but they're not digging in their own power and strength. They're digging in faith. Because look at what it says about Jesus. It says, when Jesus saw their, saw their faith, when, when Jesus looked and he saw these four guys uh, digging on the roof, he didn't say, oh man, you guys are crazy. When Jesus saw these four guys up there digging on that roof, he didn't go, man, you guys just, just don't know when you should, should give up, uh, do you? No, what Jesus saw, what Jesus noticed, what moved Jesus was their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Well, it, probably, it was probably all of their faith, but it, it includes the faith of these four friends. They were the ones who were digging through the roof. They were the ones who believed that Jesus could heal their friend. In fact, look at what it says in the rest of the verse. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw the faith of these four friends and he forgave the sins of the, healed, of, of the par- paralyzed man and he healed his body. Which means to some extent, our faith can move the heart of God on behalf of of another person, and so it begs the question: uh, Who, who, who needs your faith? Who do you know who needs Jesus? And, and maybe they can hardly get out of bed. I mean, they're paralyzed by anxiety. They're they're struggling to smile, uh, to to dream, uh, to hope. Maybe they're in prison. Maybe they're in the hospital. Maybe they're in pain. They're hurting. That's why we built the light walls in the lobbies and we challenged you to write down the names of of, of people that that God has put in your life who need Jesus and start to pray for them. And we wanna pray for them together as a church because maybe you've been trying to bring them to Jesus on a human level, but what if we go up to the Holy Spirit level and together as a church we pray. Maybe maybe God, uh, maybe that would move the heart of God on behalf. Of another uh, person who needs your 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 faith and again maybe you relate more to the paralyzed man on the mat and you go i'm the one on the mat i'm the one who can hardly get out of bed in the morning i'm the one you know who can hardly smile or hope or, or dream i'm the one who feels paralyzed by worry and and fear and if that's you here's a thought for you borrow someone else's faith what you need to do is, is find some people who love Jesus and are filled with faith and get those people a- a- around you. Their, their faith won't save you. It's not you know, your parents' faith or your pastor's faith that, that saves you. But here, what you're saying is, would you pray for me? Would you remind me of the promises of God? Would you remind me of the faithfulness of God? And next week when I forget about, forget about those things, Would you remind me Uh, again? We need the help and support of other people. And that's why we offer so many groups and, and teams and ministries during the week because we need to connect and encourage each other. You can stop at the Next Steps Hub in the lobby after the service if you want to find out more about ministries that we have to offer. Sometimes we need to try a different door. You know, if you can't go in, go up. Sometimes you may need to borrow the faith of another person for a season. Here's the second th- insight from this story. Sometimes you got to wreck the roof. I love how these guys thought outside the box. If these guys were inside the box thinkers, when they got to Peter's house, uh, they would have said, oh, it's too full. It's too crowded. Let's just, let's just go home. But then they would have always looked at their paralyzed friend and they would have wondered, could we have done more for him? Could we have done something different for him? I wonder how many of us here are missing our miracle. We're missing the miracle that God wants to do in our, in our life because we, we, simply because we, we, we just keep doing the same things uh, the same way um, that we've always uh, done them. Recently, I, I went to the bank uh, to deposit a check. I hardly go to the bank anymore, but I had a paper check. And I uh, kept forgetting to go to the bank. I carried it around for several days. Finally, I remembered and went through the drive-through and deposited my check. But then when I got home, I was telling my wife, and she showed me, many of you probably know this, that you can use the bank app on your phone, take a picture of the check, and deposit it electronically. It's called mobile deposit, and it's way easier and convenient. But I've always taken checks to the bank to deposit them since I was a kid, It's just how I've always done things, and I wonder if there were people in the crowd that day watching those four guys uh, dig the hole in the, in the roof, and they were going, never seen it done that way before. You know, that's, that's going to make a mess. wonder who's going to pay for the damages. Here's what I always want to be true about me, and I hope you want this to be true about you. I always want to be a person who's more excited when messy people come to Jesus then I am upset about the mess that it creates. Our church exists for messy people. Our church exists for people who need to be lowered down to Jesus. In fact, let me ask you, what's your reaction when somebody digs a hole in the roof of our church? when you walk into this room and, and uh, maybe there's somebody new that you've never seen before, and they're sitting in your seat in the auditorium, oh. Or maybe you walk in the room and you see somebody that you know outside of church and you know some things about this person outside of church and you're wondering, you know, what are they doing uh, here? Or how do you react when the music style isn't the style of music that you personally prefer? A few weeks ago, I went to one of the fastest growing churches in the country. It's actually in Milwaukee. It's called the Evolve Church and they are reaching thousands of people for Jesus and I went to their noon service on Sunday and I thought, you know, who goes to church at noon on a, on a, on a Sunday? Uh, well, uh, lots of people go because they're reaching people who stay out late on, on Saturday night and so uh, Sunday at noon works good uh, for them and they play their music, I mean, really loud and it's hard to find a parking spot, it, the lot fills up But here's what I love, 30 people made decisions for Jesus in the service that I attended. I always wanna be a person who gets more excited when messy people come to Jesus than I get upset about the mess that it makes. And the reason is because I was that messy person. My life was a mess until I found Jesus and he forgave. Uh, my sin and healed my shame, and He began to make me into a new person. And I love the way so many of you, like these four friends in the story, you do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus. Reckon the roof means that we have a sense of urgency about our mission. Reckon the roof means that we value innovation, and we're going to try new ways to reach people for Jesus, and they might be impractical they might be expensive and, and they might make some people in the house feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. We're wrecking the, 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 the roof. Wrecking the roof means that we've got a bias toward action. And I love the way how so many of you take action and serve and, and volunteer, greeting people at the door, making coffee so that we make a good first impression and people feel, begin to feel the love of Jesus in the, in the lobby, uh, teaching kids, holding babies, teaching students, leading groups, leading teams. We have uh, ministry teams that spend hours and hours preparing so that we can do what we do on the weekends. We got hundreds of roof wreckers in this church and I'm just so grateful for them. In fact, would you join me? Let's just show them some appreciation for what they do so that we can do what we do, yeah. We would not be able to do what we do as a church with, without you. One more insight from this story. Never give up on somebody. So many people gave up on this uh, paralyzed man. Back in that ancient culture, uh, they believed that, that uh, he sinned or his parents sinned. And that's why he was paralyzed. And so people would judge him. They would overlook him. Think about this. The, the people who went to Peter's house to hear Jesus uh, teach they walked right by the paralyzed man and didn't even uh, notice him. Maybe maybe at times in your life, you feel that way. You feel overlooked. You feel like people don't see me. I can be invisible in a crowd. You go to work, you go to school, and you feel like people don't notice me. I'm always overlooked. Other people always get attention. People overlooked and ignored this paralyzed man. We don't know a lot about him. Scholars believe he probably was born with this condition. And he was probably 20 or 30 years old at this time. And so that means 20 to 30 years living on a mat, going unnoticed. But when everyone else walked by, these four friends, they never gave up on him. They stayed with him. They picked him up And they carried him to Jesus for healing. But I want you to notice something fascinating. Jesus didn't heal his legs uh, first. Jesus forgave his sins first. But that's not what he uh, came for. And so I can picture these four friends up on the roof looking through the hole going, hey Jesus, thank you for uh, forgiving his sins. We appreciate that. But did you notice his legs? Jesus, his legs, they do not work. Can you help? Can you help him? Because they came for physical um, healing. Sometimes people come to church, and you know they're looking for healing for their body or their finances or their marriage or relationships. And that's and Jesus helps with those areas, but Jesus looks deeper inside. And he sees an issue that's much more important than bodies or finances or relationships. That's why Jesus gives him the greatest gift first and forgives his sins. And and look at what Jesus says here in verse 10. But I want you to know that the son of man, he's referring to himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Jesus heals this guy physically to prove that he's got the power and the authority to forgive everyone of their sins. And so we never give up on anyone. That's why we're going to leave the light walls up through the summer to remind us to keep praying for people, keep loving them, keep shining the light of of, of Jesus into their uh, lives and never give up on anybody. I want you to hear a story of a guy uh, from our uh, church who uh, resisted church and God for many years. In fact, he was anti-church, but God never gave up on him. And a few years ago, his family started attending. Take a look at what happens.
1: Hi, my name is TJ Fechety, and I've been coming to River Glen since early May of 2019. Uh, My faith and going to church as a child was uh, compulsory. We didn't really much have a choice in it. Uh, However, once I got on my own, I didn't go to church. You couldn't pay me enough to go to a church. You couldn't drag me to a church. I tried to live my best life. I tried to do the right things. I did have a good moral compass. I didn't go out of my way to be uh, a bad person, but I know that I was prideful, kind of a bully. Uh, when when I found faith, I wasn't looking for it. I never bottomed out. I was uh, very fortunate that uh, I found faith when I did because I didn't have a hard path to faith. It started here. Uh, my daughter started volunteering here and she went to the EDGE group. And from there, my wife joined and started coming to the church. And I was still of the mindset that I don't need religion. It's not for me. Uh, I even went as far as to tell people that Religion is something that weak people use to get through their lives. Uh, I'm not real proud of that right now. I went to a service and Garrett was doing his service and there was a baptism drive and I had my list of reasons why I wasn't getting baptized in my head and I knew I'm not gonna do it. Um, And then Garrett ticked them off one at a time in order in my mind and I just knew that I had to do it, but. I still didn't have the understanding that I wanted to have. And I know Garrett said, this is something to use, baptism is a tool that you use to get to where you want to be. You don't have to be there first, but I'm hard-headed like that. So uh, I resisted for a while. And then now it might've been because I'd been in Financial Peace University and I'd been hanging around with people from River Glen, but um, I knew at that point in time that God had spoken to me. Once I got a pretty good understanding of grace and all the things that the church means to me, there was just some stuff I needed to get clean and washed off. So I decided to do it and uh, I went and saw Jason because he and I have a personal connection and he uh, he was the one I wanted to have baptize me. That and I'm bigger than Ben can handle.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I found my best life for sure. Uh, I had always thought that People did good deeds because they were trying to earn their way into heaven. And once I understood how it worked um, and that we were already saved and that we'd already been given grace and that we do good things and good deeds because we're so happy that we've been saved that I just want to do that all the time. My view of God has changed in that now I know that he's loving God and that he really wants what's best for us and that um, you've got a very large support system here. If you are on the fence about getting baptized, or taking Alpha, or if you feel there's something stopping you from doing it, um, there will be someone here from the church uh, that will say the words to you that you need to hear. I I thought I was living a good life, but uh, it's so much better with faith.
0: for me. Okay, I could have baptized him. Uh, I love his story, though. I love the way he came and he found uh, Jesus, and Jesus began transforming him, and I love the way he said yes to Jesus and and getting uh, baptized. Uh, Next weekend, we're going to do baptisms in all our services, and we'd love to include you in baptism. You picture with your life what Jesus did for you. Jesus on the cross, he's buried in the tomb, but he resurrects and comes back to life. Every baptism tells the Easter story, death, burial, resurrection. I can't think of a better time uh, to get baptized than Easter weekend. This is so important. Jesus himself got in the water and got baptized, not because he ever sinned. Jesus lived a perfect life, but he wanted to set an example for us to follow. And he commands his followers, not a suggestion, he commands everyone who believes in Him and follows Him to demonstrate your faith and your commitment uh, by getting baptized. And if you want to do that next weekend, it's a great—we got everything that you need. Uh, just let us know. You can take out your phone right now and and get signed up. You can fill out the welcome card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the box on your way out, or drop it off at the Next Steps Hub. If you have got questions, uh, you can also go to the Next Steps Hub. We've got people there and. And uh, they would love to, to help you uh, take your next uh, step. And I know that, you know, baptism might feel like a, uh, like a stretch. Um, but God made us to, to stretch, to reach our full potential. And when we stretch in faith, I'm telling you, God works in amazing ways. When we stretch in faith, like this paralyzed man, like, these, like his four friends, Uh, Jesus sees, and he heals, and he uh, forgives. We demonstrate our faith in in baptism, and then Jesus has commanded another way for us to express our faith, and that's why every weekend we set aside time in our our service together to share communion as a way to remember the great sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross uh, to pay for all our sins. The bread represents his body, and the juice represents his blood. We've got communion available. Our communion's open to anyone who believes. We've got communion uh, uh, available on the tables in the back. Feel free to get up and, and pick that up. And I'm gonna say a prayer, and then whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and, and take the uh, communion. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for a communion and baptism and what they symbolize, uh, what they mean how they picture your love for us and how you paid the ultimate price to remove every single barrier between us and you. God, thank you for sending Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. And we want to show our gratitude by worshiping you, by getting baptized, by serving you, and by being a light to help more people find and follow Jesus. And God, I want to pray for all the names, all the people that are on the light wall. I pray that you would give us courage and opportunities to invite them to come and hear about Jesus next weekend. And God, we thank you for the many people that already planned to get baptized next weekend. And, and, and we pray for many more. I know there's probably many more people that, that you're nudging uh, to take this step. And I pray that they will do so in Jesus' name. Amen.